There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You're listening to Road to the Ashes on TalkSport 2 as TalkSport in the UK partners up with our colleagues at SEN over in Australia to build up to the Ashes, which all begins on Friday morning, less than 24 hours to go. With updates, of course, with John Norman over on TalkSport throughout the summer. On our last edition of the show, Australia World Cup winner Simon O'Donnell and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison give their final predictions ahead of the series and they look back at Australia's win over India in the World Test Championship final at the Oval. As well as this, we hear exclusively from the England vice-captain Ollie Pope and the former Australia opener Chris Rogers joins the guys in the studio. So plenty to come over the next hour. This is Road to the Ashes on TalkSport 2 in partnership with SEN. Let's get into it. Australian made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo logo and buy authentic Australian products. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our last program. Wow, I can't believe we're nearly there of Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian Made, look for the green and gold kangaroo. Simon O'Donnell with you here from SEN Australia and uh, Steve Harmison joining me shortly from TalkSport in the UK. We've got a massive uh, show coming up. Well, the wash-up from the World Test Championship, uh, of course, where the the uh, Aussies uh, took out uh, uh, the Champions Trophy for um, for the last couple of years of Test cricket and uh, and did a fantastic job at the Oval, beating India. Former Australian Test opener Chris Rogers is going to join us. Knows all about uh, playing cricket in England and Ashes cricket in England, of course. We'll hear from Ollie Pope one of the top-order men uh, that England will be relying on right throughout this Ashes series of 23. And Moen Ali, who's come in for Jack Leach, uh, didn't have to have his arm twisted too much, didn't want to play any more Test cricket, but um, when you put an Ashes series in front of him, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't help but have a little piece of it, if he can, in this English 11. Talking of the Englishman, Steve Harmison, from Talk Sport in the UK, uh, we remember Harmy uh, out here and in the UK, particularly uh, doing some great things during an Ashes series. And Harmy, uh, it's hard to believe we've been chatting for the last five or six weeks. It's nearly here. It's nearly here, my friend. It is. It's like I'm like a kid at Christmas Eve. I'm desperate for the, you know, for Friday to come, and I can't wait. You know, the World Test Championship just 
whet the appetite, really, because do you know what? I thought that was a great game of Test cricket. I really did. I really enjoyed the, the, the India against Australia. It was a comprehensive win by Australia, um, no matter what the Indians say. And it was a you know a, a very good Test performance leading into into the Ashes, and I can't wait for Friday to come. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. I've got no idea which way it's going to go. Hmm. I really don't. I'm sitting here now, Sam. I don't know about you, but I'm sitting here now thinking both teams could win five nil. I really can make an argument that both teams can win 5-0 because of us, uh, there's all talk about Australia's bone attack being too good for England and this is something that England have never come across over the course of these last 13 test matches under Stokes and McCullum. But you're going, if England win the toss and bat first on what looks a flat pitch at Edgebaston and they score five and over and blow you know, the, all the plans that Australia have got out of the water, you go, well, that's the best that Australia can throw at England wow, where do they go now? But then you flip that over and you go, well, if England have, England bat first and on 30 for three because Cummins, Stark, Boland have got the ball in the right area, where do England's plans go? So you can, there's a, there's a little bit of an argument that way, but I think that the contest between the two, the pressure of Ashes cricket, as you know, is so high and so intense that there are going to be good p- passages, there are going to be mistakes and I think it's going to be too close to call, and it could be 3-2 either way, hopefully for England, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I want to talk to you a little more about you know, where the right line and length is when, you, when you're bowling to England. But before we get there, I loved the World Test Championship. Although it was you know, a really good match at the Oval. But I wanted to touch on with you, Harmi. Australia did it in the first test in India, where they didn't include Travis Head in the 11. Mm. Dire mistake, shocking mistake. To think that India didn't have Ravi Ishwan in their 11 to play in that World Test final is absolutely beyond me. Absolutely beyond me. Their top spinner can make a Test 50, has made, I think, a Test 100, fights like hell, proud Indian, and to bring, to think that side was going to be better served by a medium pace bowler than Ravi Ashwin in a World Test final, bewildered me. Yeah, I think it bewildered everybody apart from Rohit Sharma and Raul Dravid and the Indian selectors, because this is not something new. This is something happened before in England. India have come to England before and gone, right, we only need one spinner, but because our spinner bats in the top six, we really don't want to go and disrupt the balance of our attack because we think it's going gonna, it's gonna to seam, it's going to swing, it's going to... We're going to need four seam options. So for me, I couldn't understand the, the Umesh Yadav mm. argument. I, re, I really couldn't. So, and, and do you know what, Simon, more than anything else for our Ashwin, I think he's a perfect, perfect character to play against Australia. My word. Because he's a fighter. He's a scrapper. Gets he'd get under face. his skin. He'd have a go. Yeah, yeah he's, he, he'd have a go. And, and if Australia have a go back, there's a little confrontation. He... Can, he can sort of change the course of, a, of the narrative of where the game's going just by his body language alone, by getting in the batsman's face. You know, we've seen a mancad in uh, IPL cricket. He don't care about anything else other than winning. I just thought it was a monumental mistake to, to leave him out. At the end of the day, a 209-run win for the Australians. They're, they're crowned the World Test Champions. That can only be a positive lead in 
to the Ashes, to, to be able to be as dominant against the so-called second best team in world cricket at Test Match Cricket, that's got to give the Australians plenty of confidence going into this series. Absolutely, 100%. And I think when you go into big series like the Ashes, the team that goes in with, you know, you would say the most confidence, the most momentum, with everything going in the right direction leading into the series, they tend to get the rub of the green. But I'm not sure who's got the most of that at this minute in time because England are 11 wins from 13 and Australia the world 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 champions at, at Test match cricket. So I think that's how evenly poised that these sides are. When I look at last week, the right components are doing the right things. Bowlers put the ball in the right areas, created chances. I know there was a couple of drop catches, but there's some you know, unbelievable catches. And I... I still think Cameron's green catch was out. Anybody that's played the game will understand hmm. that the catch at third slip was out. His fingers were underneath the ball. No matter what any picture tells me, I haven't played the game, I think that's out. And the key components in that middle order are get, are, have got runs, Labashian, Smith and and Head. And the, the, the way Head got runs, I think would encourage, if I was an Australian fan, because... There are going to be times during these next five test matches, if England do get away from Australia, i.e. the run rate and have a big score, that head is going to be so key because he's probably the one that catches that run rate up in that middle order. And to see him get 163 in that first innings shows you that not only is he in good touch, his tempo was very, very good, especially for somebody who I think he's had a he's had a great last 18 months in international cricket, but... He had a real struggle in England a year ago or a year and a bit ago when he was here with, with Sussex. So that would be something from a, a, a mind perception that it just gets that you know wrench off his back that last time I was here, I struggled for Sussex. But the first time I've gone in in a World Championship final, I've got over 150 runs, bring on the Ashes. I think um, you know, from a bowling point of view, it w- was good to, to see Australia's front liners probably, you know, just get the work out they needed. You know, Scotty Boland was Scotty Boland. He hits the top of, top of off more times than than most. And Mitchell Stark, you know, swung them around a bit, was probably a touch on the rusty side, as as I thought Pat Cummins was. And and then, um, you know, the, the off-spinner, Nathan Lyon, he just keeps on being Nathan Lyon and, and getting wickets, you know, five wickets in the Test match. How, how did you see the uh, the Aussie bowlers before we head into the, that Australian batting line, in particular the top two in... In Kawaja and Warner, Army? I think Kawaja and Warner would, would be a concern. Not so much the, because the runs that they didn't get, the, the, the motor dismissals that they were out, playing away from their body. You know, they're going to come up against the biggest, the best ever exponent of moving a batsman across the crease, getting them in a position to play away from their body, and that's James Anderson. So that it was the motor dismissals more than anything else, playing... Far too loose outside off stump. Warner in the second inch track cut half volley. And, you know, I nicked it straight to, to, to behind. And so the pressure that's on David Warner and Kawaja's been unbelievable in the last 12 months. So that would concern me a little bit. I thought the bowlers bowled. They got overs under their belt. Then Cameron Green, he could be the point of difference in this series. Mm. He really could. I think he is a... Go back to 2005, we had a world-class all-rounder. Australia had Shane Warne, which meant that Australia never really needed that fifth bowler. I think Cameron Green could be the, the point of difference to make 
that fifth bowler, bowler count in five test matches over six and a half weeks for recovery time to get you know, Cummins, especially Cummins, because Cummins is going to have to play all five. I think that fifth bowling option could be the could be possibly the tipping point in the in the, the sort of bowling side of the series between the two sides. But where here's the word fits in, I think he fits in at Lords for me because you can't drop Scott Bowling, even though he bowls at the top of off stump. And England enjoy that. You know, somebody that bowls same players all the time. I think England will try and take him on that on that front and. You could see England trying to sort of reverse sweep him. You could see, scoop him and you can see them trying to cut him off length. I, I still think Boland has to play in that first test match at Edge Baston. It's going to be really interesting it, you know, from a bowling point of view. And we mentioned, I mentioned a little earlier, what, what is the length? What is the line? I, I mean, the length and line that Scott Boland bowls day in, day out is, is top of stump. He, he's one of the best exponents of it in, in world cricket. He, he just keeps delivering it time in, time out. If you had to go to a plan B against a batting lineup that are doing things differently, like England will bring to the table, what what is that length and line to a a basball top order? Don't so much think it's a length and line, Simon. I think it's the field settings. You you've got to think outside the box for this England team. You you run up and bowl line and land for three slips in a gully, you could go at eight seven, eight and over mm. because they'll try and hit, cut you off your length. They, they hit balls in areas where in a test match, it's not, you don't have conventional fielders. So I think that's what I mean by, so you can, you could run on ball half volleys at this England team and get wickets. If you've got fielders in the right place, starve them from the boundaries, cut off their scoring options. You know, you could see, you could see a team with, you know, a, a relatively new ball, bowl them a one slip because, it's not going there. Yeah. You know, Scott Bowling runs up bowls line and length with three slips in a gully. Tim Southey did that in, in New Zealand. And Tim Southey's not as quick as Scott Bowling, nowhere near as quick as Scott Bowling. But Joe Root, second ball, third ball of the morning, reverse swept him over the top of third slip's head. And Tim Southey's looking in, in amazement. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> if that bowler doesn't quite go to get right plan B or get to that point where quick enough, it could be 20 off three overs and the captain's going, well, can you continue doing this? So and that's what I mean where I know Steve Smith said during the week, and he's right that this England basketball has been brilliant for test cricket, but they haven't played against our bowling attack. You could also look at it and flip it over and say, this bowling attack hasn't come against England. And if England get off to that good start, where do their plan B? And I think a lot of the plan B is more, it's not the lines and lengths you bowl. It's the fields that you set to then starve the boundaries, to then put keep that pressure on England and stop them from hitting boundaries. If they do that, then England might find a way to get themselves out. Been lots of debate uh, leading into this first Test match and the World Test Championship, for that matter, of, of whether it's a a Boland in the pace lineup or it's a Hazelwood in the pace lineup. I must admit, I'm a I'm a Boland fan just through through what he's done. He's staying on the park and. Josh Hazelwood is fantastic. He's, he has been over the journey. He just, you know, look, his record over the last three or four years with injury, there's got to be that question mark going into a test match, particularly an Ashes test match, whether that is the right way to go, particularly with a fit Scott Boland that uh, is ready and raring to go. And, well, I'm not sure whether Scotty Boland's fully convinced that he's the man for the first test. I know he wants to be there. 
whether he thinks he will be there, I'm not 100% sure, particularly with the answer he gave when he was asked what his chances are of retaining his spot for that first test at Edgbaston. I haven't even thought about it, to be honest. Um, I think, yeah, I've just got to keep doing my role and playing, trying to get... Um, trying to keep taking wickets and then trying to make the selector's decision as hard as possible. He, he's just a, a guy, he's unfazed, just gets about it, loves the team aspect of it. He'll do what he what he needs to do and uh, if his name's there, he'll come in and do what Scott Boland does, Harmy. Yeah, and it's, well, I think it was a bog standard answer for, uh, for leading into one of the, the, the biggest series that you'll have. I don't so much think, I've not, I've changed my mind the last few sort of days. Is I don't think it's so much Scott Bowen against Hazelwood. I think it might be Hazelwood against Stark. I think that would be the issue. And then do you have three bowlers that are sort of more line bowlers, deck bowlers? You need Mitchell Stark's variation. I'd play Hazelwood at Lords. Do you need a swing bowler at Lords? I think you could play three line bowlers and you know three deck bowlers at Lords, Cummins, Boland, and Hazelwood using the slope. That would be in your favour. And then that's how you, for me, that's how I would get Hazelwood into the series. Mm. And then his body, Josh's body, will dictate whether he plays in tests three, four, five, or four and five, or just four. And I think because you're going to have to rotate, because you're going to have to use bowlers wisely over the course of these next six weeks and five test matches, bear in mind your captain's going to have to play at all five. That's the way I'd look at it. I don't think you can drop Scott Boland. You've just won the World Test Championship final by 209 runs, which is a comprehensive win. As long as they're all fit and firing and they all feel fresh enough, I think you throw them back out at Edgebaston and try and get one up on England. That would be my way of, of, of looking at it. And if I was looking to get Hazelwood in, you look at what McGrath did at Lords for a lot of years. He's probably the closest that Australia's got to a, a Glenn McGraw with the way he gets close to stumps. He bowls you know, close to off stump from a tall release point. That's how I'd get Hazelwood into the series and leave him for Lords. Yep, no, it's going to be very interesting. Um, we don't have to last, don't have to wait, not last long. We don't have to wait long until uh, we get uh, all those decisions put in front of us, less than 24 hours until the first ball will be bowled in the 2023 Ashes series over there in England, starting at Edgbaston. Time for us to take a break. This is Road to the Ashes, thanks to Australian-made look for the green and gold kangaroo. Oh, Buck Rogers coming up next. The man used to stand up there and take whatever you threw at him. He loves an Ashes series. He knows Scott Boland back the front. We'll hear what he has to say after the break. Australian-made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo logo and buy authentic Australian products. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison. Welcome back to Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. Simon O'Donnell, Steve Harmison with you. Harmy, what are your memories of Chris Rogers? Very difficult to get out. The more you hit him, the more you stood there and just took it and fought back at you. And off the field, one of the nicest blokes you'll ever wish to meet. So going into coaching, I always felt where if you had a coach or a mentor like that, a bit like, you know, we have played a lot with Michael DiVinito. Diva went into coaching and you you got the sense with the character that there was a lot to give other people. And that's what I got off the way Chris Rogers not only played, but was a character and a player. I don't think we played that much against each other, did we? 
Bucky. I think you you came to England just after I was getting old and fat and couldn't bowl anymore. This I didn't realise the... this was a mutual admiration. No, no, no. I was this... Looking for a bit of dirt, to be fair, but I haven't got any. Chris Rogers, <laughs> welcome to Road to the I've Ashes. Got a, I've got a bit off a golf trip, but not off the cricket field. Well, this this is brilliant, actually, um, Sod, because... Actually, on my way here, I was thinking about probably my last game I ever played against Harmy, and it was a T20 game. And, and obviously, T20 is not my, um, my strong point, but oh, it was 2009, hard, Durham versus Derbyshire. We batted first, got 175. I got 50 off 37, took right. the big fella down. Um, he came on <laughs> second change, and then we knocked him over, and, and to add... Uh, Insult to injury, he got a golden duck and we won. So um, that was my my last memory of of, of Harmy. So, Top that Harmy. Um, and the other one, I probably should bring this one up, was the um, the Lilac Hill match. So I've gone hard at him here. Too. Oh yeah, in Perth. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. I'd already got out and I I went and sat down and I just heard these these cheers kept coming because you bowled about a fifteen ball over, didn't you? I did. I couldn't. I, I even to this day, right? Even to this day, I can't remember that. I remember, can you remember, you know, at Lila Kill, everybody's sitting around the yeah, boundary yeah. holes. <laughs> no side screens. Yeah, oh, no yeah. side screens, nothing. So I've gone chasing a ball, and instead of going feet first, I can't go feet first into the crowd because <laughs> kids are. So I've gone head first into the crowd. I put my head off off the rope, and obviously I concussed myself. And I, I still, to this day, can't remember that day. Because once I'd gone, I, I, I remember went off not long after that that over. I lay down, I was sick, and I, I mean, I had no idea what, what was going on. But I was a young man wanting to try and impress, me, impress the team. And um, I impressed Australia more than I did press, <laughs> impress England, if I, if I remember right that, that day. They were, they were interesting games, though, Bucky, because he's always chucked in a, a couple of older men Older fellas to to go well if if the touring team beats you it don't matter yeah and then there's like some free hit, wasn't it? Yeah. And belting us everywhere after we just got off a plane well I, I'm being a bit harsh because I actually I was doing a bit of coaching this morning and I wanted one of the the our young openers to to have a look at, at Justin Langer and 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 how he he used to stay on stay side on so much and I clicked on to the 2005 Ashes one of the you know the greatest series of all time and. And there you were, Harmy Bowling, unbelievably kept beating his outside edge from from memory. So um, yeah, that, I'm sure that they're pretty good memories for you. They're but, always good memories. Simon, they're always good memories when it's a good contest. And I think that's probably the biggest thing I'll say about this contest is that that Ashes battle between bat and ball was a ridiculous contest. And I think I think we're in for for that contest again. And from an Englishman Englishman's point of view. You know that bowling attack that Australia have got could have that same context. That, that the context of the series, like twenty-five Test matches in your career, three Ashes series over that journey of twenty-five Test matches. Were they the Test matches that stood out most to you over over your Test match cricket journey? Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I, I had a lot of history in England as well, playing county cricket. So two of those Ashes series were in England. So. I had a lot of familiarity with 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 the place and a lot of you know good relationships with with people over there. So I always you know used to always have those messages from from UK friends going, I hope England win wins, but I hope you do well. So it was um it was it was always a really you know it was a really enjoyable contest versus versus England because the other thing is that the intensity that comes with that with that series is is second to none. I mean I never played the Test series in India against India, so. I can't compare that, 
I'd imagine that that's uh, on an equal footing. But um, but yeah, playing those those Ashes series, particularly, I really enjoyed those ones in England because of the, the when you play the crowds, they, while not so big, they they feel like they're almost on top of you, and you can hear almost every comment people are saying. Which is always a bit bit of humour, but um, yeah, I, I love those experiences. We, we had Marcus Harris on a couple of shows back uh, with Steve and I, and, and I asked him the difference of batting in Australia to batting in the UK. I'll be upfront; I wasn't happy with his answer. Can you tell me a little? I, I thought there was he there was more to it, but Marcus was pretty. Yeah, I heard pretty, what he said. Yeah, pretty simple in, in the way he explained yeah. how to bat, and I thought it was a bit more. Tricky than that, for want of a better way of putting it. How did you find batting at home here in Australia to batting in the UK? No, I, I, I heard what he said. He, he was trying to say you play straight, but you score square. So you're still trying to, you know, be as good as you can defensively, give it the full face. But I can equate it to playing like playing big spin. When you play big spin, you're, um, if you look at your wagon wheels, you're We're scoring shots. Well, sometimes, but <laughs> your scoring shots go really, really square and it's hard to hit straight. So you're, you're almost going with the, the spin and it's the same because the, the of the movement of the Duke's ball. It's really hard to, to kind of hit straight back down at it rather than you're trying to play later. So you're almost adjusting your hands at the last seconds mm. and going with the ball. So, you know, if it's swinging away, you're kind of trying to go towards more cover point And if it's swinging in, go towards more, more square legs. So... One of the best innings I've ever seen was was Kumar Sangakara's uh, uh, over at Lords when he got a hundred. And if you look at his wagon wheel, it, it's just you know it's almost exclusively Sweet. through um, against the quicks, uh, uh, through cover point, you know backward point and, and square leg. So it just means you're playing later because you're letting the ball just come that fraction further. And then go when it, when it's when there's no swing, nothing. You can you can actually back your hands and just hit back straight through the line. And the same when it doesn't spin. So, but that's the key point, isn't it? The, the letting the ball come to you more than you reaching towards the ball. Yeah, you you push out over there, and and there's a good chance you're gonna you're gonna edge it. And and the other thing is, if you're playing later and you're kind of playing a bit more with that angled bat, you know, it's angled back towards um, the keeper or whatever. But um, if you do edge it, it's hopefully it's going to go down and not not carry to the to the slips. Look, is, that, yeah, is, that, yeah, is that more look, a bit more detail? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I I think Marcus probably said exactly the same thing. The the bit that's just made even more sense to me then is letting that ball come to you. Yeah. You know, so often here we we get on that front foot and not reach for it, but we'll play further out in front of our body in Australia than what we will in the UK. For the mere fact we're hitting straighter in Australia, you're playing with more of the bat. Yeah. There you're playing more with you. With your hands and you, you know, we buy a, we buy all of a bat. You should, you know, I always used to say we use the whole face. <laughs> I but, certainly did. Yeah. But you're quite right. In, in in England, you're letting that come on, and you just go with it that little bit. So you find you are yep. running the ball more than hitting the ball with a full face. Yep. It's it's it the makes same sense. play in reverse swing. You 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 rarely see when it's reverse swing. You rarely see a thumping straight drive or an extra cover drive. It'll be kind of squirting out towards deep point or you're kind of working it towards fine leg, that that kind of stuff. So it's it's a similar concept. And Bucky, you, you talk about, you know, opening a bat in England. There's two experienced openers at the top. There's been question marks whether how long they've got to go at the top. How important is experience batting in England when you come over to England and you first get going? And I'm, you know, we've mentioned the name there, Marcus Harris, who's got runs already in county cricket, seen a couple of dismissals, which I think 
with alarm bells, especially the, the second innings of Warner and Kawaja, doing exactly opposite what you've just said. You've got Jimmy Anderson coming against you. How tempted would you be to have somebody that's experienced a lot of cricket in England at the top of the order if in the first test match um, England get one over and get Smith and Labashin in early? And knowing Andrew McDonnell as well, uh, I think he'll back the, the senior players in to, to, to work it out, to figure it out. I mean, plus they have a lot of experience over there as well. So, you know, even if you look at the backup top order in Harrison Renshaw, I think, you know, those selections were a lot to do with the fact that they have played so much over there. And, and there's just so many little uh, intricate uh, learnings that you get from playing county cricket that um, until you go over and, and, and experience, um, it, it's really difficult. You know, so I look at kind of someone like Sam Whiteman and, and you know, he's he's gone from the Wacker to go playing at Wantage Road. And it's, it's you know, it's a different world in, in some respects. So just the kind of learnings you get over there will do him the, the mountain of good. And, and, and for the next time he's over there, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll set him in good stead. How difficult is it? So often we say, you know, you've got to know where your off stump is. Is it different to know where your off stump is in the UK to knowing where it is in Australia because that ball does move more? Um, I actually think you you want to know where your leg stump is in in England. I know that's a bit of a weird concept, but I always felt with the Duke sport, it almost, particularly when I first went over there, it was almost like there was a magnet in my knee roll and the ball would just kind of dart at it. And almost like it would gather pace off the pitch and, and, and dart at your knee roll. And, you know, I was getting LB kind of falling over because... Once again, I came from the Wacker where you try and get across into the line and play in the line of your eyes. And over there, you, you probably want to stay on the leg side of the ball, get your pads out of the way and, and back your hands a bit more. So, yeah, I felt there was a, a, a magnet on my knee roll. So I was trying to get, I was trying to go more to the leg side, get my pads out of the way, mm. use my hands. And either if I, if I edged it, and I was good enough with my technique, it wouldn't it wouldn't carry, or they'd have to carry it. And who wants to carry it? Ca- sorry, they'd have to catch. And who wants to carry it, catch a Duke's ball in um in April in England? So, yeah, <laughs> it was that that that's that. It, I think it's very different. Whereas, yeah, in Australia, you probably play a bit more in line with the eyes. Over there, you try and play a little bit more on the leg side of it. Wow. No, we've had some. We got some technical points. Let's have a bit of fun now. Talk about it. You know, we've given them all. They know what they're doing now. We know what they're doing now. Let's have a bit of fun. What does the ashes mean? What does the ashes mean to Chris Rogers? You played a lot of cricket in England, so you sampled it before you played the Ashes in England. You know, unbelievable series at home, thirteen, fourteen. So, what does the Ashes mean to you? I think as an opening bat, it was it was the pinnacle. It was probably where you can judge yourself over there, but but also there's the history and tradition. You know, you knew you were something of uh, a part of something incredibly special, and you know, I, I've watched so many series, Ashes series, and 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 you know, been glued to the the, the TV. You know, back probably '93 uh, was you know was was probably the one that kind of you know stood out for me. For you know, from a, from so many points, and I really. Cricket kind of even took off even more for me. 2005, you know, that, that series felt like it was almost in fast forward. And then, then getting to play in, in 2013, um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's just an honour to be a part of. And, and in intensity, you, you, it's hard to recreate. Because I always say, too, the other thing about when you, when you go over to in, and play in Ashes in, in England, it's, the game doesn't start at 11 o'clock or 10.30. 10, 
it starts when you when you walk out to go to breakfast because there's all the support, all the Aussie supporters are staying in the same hotel. So you almost you're switched on from you know it's almost a, a performance from when you kind of walk into bre- breakfast and you're on and everyone's talking about the game and and you know it's gone through your head. So they they were draining days, but uh, it was like a roller coaster. The, the the, the the tough days were super hard. The great days, the best days ever. So, yeah, that's probably the way I'd explain it. But tell us about Scott Boland. Mm. He looks to me as an outsider. I don't know him well, but he's a coach's dream. You, you just, every time the ball is thrown to him, you know exactly what you're going to get. His humility just amazes me that, you know, I'll go wherever you tell me to go. If you want me to play, I'll play. If you don't want me to play... I'll do my best off field to make sure that the team does well. Is that who he is? In a nutshell, that that's exactly who he is. He's 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 a very humble, quietly spoken man, but also there's a streak in him. I, I remember we'd we'd had a chat earlier in the season about not playing a, a you know, maybe in all the one day games for Victoria. And this was kind of COVID times and, and, and we got to a period we got to the back end of the season. We were effectively playing three months of cricket within two months. Um, and this is when he was, in his own mind, he was pushing for the Australian side. And, you know, I called him out, called him up to say, look, we're, we're not, we're going to pick you in that, in, in the one day come, coming up. And, wow, we, you know, he let me know he was very disappointed and, and, and had to get him in to kind of explain the logic about, you know, how much is he bowling? How much could he potentially bowl? And in the end, he, he saw where we were coming from. But I remember that there was this kind of fierce competitive streak um, and pride in 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 what he does, and and you see that with how he um, he performs and prepares. So one of the things Mickey Lewis, the bowling coach, when I first got to Victoria, he said, "Watch this." He said, "Scotty Bowling in every break, so you know every break or before the day's play, he'll be out there bowling balls, making sure he's ready to go." and not everyone does that, that and, and Harmy, you, you know that, it's, mate, it's hard. Sometimes you've just had lunch. It's hard to get yourself. Or you've been out there for a session, or it's it's hard to get yourself out and 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 go and prepare right for the next session, isn't it? You know, especially if you've had three or four sessions in the in the dirt. But he'll never miss it. He's just wow. attention to detail is is off the charts. And as for yeah, he's a captain's dream because. So even if he wasn't going to open the bowling after he'd still lunch, do it. He'd, he'd just go out there for that last so, yeah. 10 minutes and just make sure that everything was operating correctly. So he doesn't, in a lot of words, he leads completely by his actions. So all the young guys of Victoria, they just, they absolutely worship the ground he walks on because, you know, that they see he goes out and he does everything that needs to be done and, and they follow. So when you're talking to a guy who tried to bowl the last, make sure he got the last two overs before lunch so you could have three at lunch. He didn't have to bowl for 40 minutes after lunch. So that was my philosophy of trying to bowl after that. But just just a, a sort of another one of your experiences of England in your coach's head on. Uh, five test matches, six and a half weeks, that's a grueling schedule. Yep. You know, one of your bowlers has got to play all five in Pat Cummins. He's got to because he's captain. It's not so much how do you get Josh Hazelwood to decide, but if you're Andrew McDonald, do you pick bowlers for different grounds? Because you know more than anything else. Lord Slope, Headingley might be overcast, bouncy pitch at Old Trafford possibly, with you don't know what you're going to get at the Oval if it's been dry. Do you then try and predict which bowling attack you want so you know you've got all bases covered? Uh, yeah, you'd, you'd look at those those pitches, I think, and you'd, you know, you'd figure out, which of the ones are going to seem, which ones are going to be a bit flatter. Lord Slope is going to play, you know, I, 
I'd almost Starkey would be one of the first picked at Lords because I think a left armor swinging down that slope is a nightmare from my experiences. So little things like that, you'd you'd be you'd be definitely kind of looking at your bowling roster and and saying, okay, well, who fits in where um, best? Who fits in right now, <clears throat> Hazelwood or Boland in the first Test match? I, I think that they'll they'll probably back in what they've got, keep Josh just ready to go, um, give him maybe another week of, of bowling, and then you know maybe he'll play the back four. You just you just never know um, with that, but. He's also he's you know maybe he's not even capable of that. So maybe three out of three out of the last four he he will play. So that would be my gut. I I don't know if if the bowlers have pulled up well, they're feeling okay. I think that they might go in with a with a similar kind of attack. Prediction. Five nil, easy. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm good on your group. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Look, I I it's a it's a really really hard one to pick and and. I'm not going to say uh, I'm not going to sit here and say um, oh you know England have to do it against our attack although I just did but um, it's just going to be fascinating to see you know how much how aggressive they England are and I hope they they you know they come all guns blazing it's going to make for an amazing contest. I just Bucky, I just want to ask you one quick final one on your coach's hat on talking about the baseball stuff has that changed the way you look at coaching because of the way England have. Basically, they've they've re you know they've, they've just sort of reinvented the wheel of test match batting, haven't they? Or longer format batting, four day batting. Uh, it, it has actually. You know, I would have been. I look at that even from my own experiences and think, how could you bat like that? Like I, I wouldn't have averaged fifteen, but batting like that. But but it's clear that that some players are capable of that style, and that actually suits them. You know, with the, with the. Even the mental side of the game, it frees them up. Um, it gives them clarity about what they're doing. A bit like Darren Lehman telling um, Mitch Johnson to bowl, you know, bounces every ball at the tail kind of thing. And it, it gave him real clarity. So for this, I'm not saying that necessarily did happen. I just say maybe it did. But um, <laughs> and then, um, but uh, it's it's it was a. I think it's given them a lot of a lot of clarity about that. And so for us, um, Matt Short's been the one. You know, he's he's been tinkering and with different things, a lot of his career. And then it, it was just more of a case of, you know, go out, look at the gaps in the field, and I'm just going to try and score runs. And um, and uh, and that seems to have given him a lot of clarity. If I asked you what Steve Harmison's top score was in oh, test wow. cricket, what would you say it is? Without Googling it, without, you know, no, no help from you know, AI, nothing. Why do I f- have a feeling you've got a 50? Would I be way what? off? How could you're you not think he's got a 50? Why? I don't... You're not... 49. Well, Can you believe his, his highest yeah, test score yeah. is 49? He didn't know who, what who end was, to hold. Who was that against? I, I had a it feeling... It was against South Africa. Right. Against South Africa. Those bowlers never Hongi played Hongi. again. Right. Exactly. It was, <laughs> it was against South Africa. <laughs> Africa at the over when, when Monty ran me out. Who batted but 11? Then, I was... Yeah, Mal Monty batted eleven. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, even, even I could get in front of that one. But I'll throw one back at you. Yeah. What was Sam O'Donnell's highest score? Oh wow. Well, fifty didn't come to mind straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pass on that. It was forty-eight. Now I'm being 40, sitting oh, here for right, six exactly. weeks, okay. looking at this big mug right. in England, thinking, 
How did he get a, an extra? How did he have a higher test score than I did? I at least you knew you know, uh, the, when there was rubber on the end of the handle. You, that's where you gripped it. Yeah, he wouldn't have known. The outside edge comes in handy yeah. sometimes. So. Oh, seriously, <laughs> enough's enough. Buck, I've had enough of you now. All right, I'll, I'll catch you on a more a social level at some stage. I look forward. But to thank it. you for coming in. Pleasure. Brilliant. Um, great to see Absolutely. you. Looking fit as usual. Enjoy the series. Enjoy your commentary during the summer with uh, with our mob and enjoy your coaching with Victoria. Thanks very much. Thanks, Sammy. It's all, been um, good. May it all just um, continue to prosper. Good on you. Good on you. See Chris you, Rogers Tommy. joining us there. Army, great to have a chat with uh, with the coach. 25 tests for Australia, of course. Three Ashes series. Now Victorian coach and part of SEN's summer commentary team. Chris Rogers on Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. We'll be back shortly with a focus Let's have a peek at the England side now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Australian made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo logo and buy authentic Australian products. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison. Welcome back to Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. Simon O'Donnell in the studios here at SEN in Melbourne and across uh, the other side of the globe. Steve Harmison joining us from Talk Sport in the UK. Well, the big talk this week has been Moen Ali. He's coming back into this test lineup for England after announcing his retirement. Jack Leach opened up an opportunity and there wasn't a youngster to take it, so he had to be talked back into it, Moen Ali, to say, do you want to take the Aussies on in the Ashes? Well, he wanted to, and this is what he had to say earlier in the week. Stokesy messaged me uh, with a question mark, Ashes. And I, I, I didn't hear the news of Leachy at the time. And I just went LOL, thinking he's taking a mick. And then, uh, yeah, the news came through, and then I had a chat with him. And then, yeah, that's it. The fact that it's the Ashes, and it's such a big, big series, and um, the exciting cricket the guys have been playing, I think this is a kind of era I would have loved while I was playing, and to be part of it would be amazing. He's got all the things that uh, will contribute to a successful baseball turnaround for him because he loves to play his shots and, and get on with it, Harmy. Um, he's had time away from Test cricket, but he's still been playing first-class cricket, so he's not coming in uh, off the back of no cricket at all. 
No, the, the, the thing from Moen was always, it's always been with Mo at the back end of his career, especially in the longer format of the game, was does he want to play? Has he got the hunger for it and the drive for it to to still be involved in playing? And there's a couple of things. And I know there's a, there's a school of, of thought going, why are we picking somebody who has got a modest average against Australia with both bat and ball? Why are we picking somebody who has already said he doesn't want to play test cricket? I think when you look deep into that, I don't think that's exactly true. I think Mo and Ali just got sick of COVID bubbles. He got sick of being being in the in the bubble for franchise cricket and then being in the bubble because he was a man in demand. And he was unlucky a little bit. He, he was in a taxi with Chris Wokes going to Sri Lanka. So he had to, and Chris Wokes got COVID. So you had to sit that, start the Sri Lanka trip out. Then India wasn't the greatest tours at all because of the bubbles. And then he got asked to go to Pakistan when McCullum and Stokes. And he had just come off the back of being in franchise bubbles. And he just, he basically said, look, I, I can't do them anymore. So that wasn't him saying, I don't want to play test cricket and I don't want to play for you. It was just, I've, I've had enough of the restrictions in mm. the way that life is at the moment. There's more important things in life now. Well, he sleeps in his own bed now. He can now get away from, you know, the, the, that aspect of it. And I think it's a no-brainer. We didn't have any other choice, I didn't think. Liam Dawson, Hampshire, would have been chucking him into a test debut. You give two debut debutants, um, Will Jackson, Ryan Ahmed, two very, very young bowlers, to put them into an Ashes, I thought would be unfair. So uh, my only way, well, sorry, not my only way, but the, the only way I looked at it was if Mo and Ali doesn't come back and play, then England would have to play four seamers in the first test match. Um, but Joe Mo and Root Ali... Being the give, spinner. Yeah, over playing a spinner. The, but that would put a lot of pressure on Joe Root, and I wouldn't like to do that. So now Moen said he's playing. He gives you that little bit extra X factor at number eight, coming in behind Johnny Bairstow. Um, And he's, he's a good enough off spinner to, to try and hold the game. Um, so for me, it was a no-brainer him coming back. Been really impressed with the form of Ollie Pope. He, he, it took him a while to cement his place in this England lineup, but he looks like you know the top order. Uh, he fits very comfortably there now. And prior to or on the eve of this first Test match uh, against Australia, he spoke with Talk Sports Scott Taylor about what may happen at Edgbaston and what his expectations are. We go into every series trying to win every series, and that's no different now. Uh, obviously, just when you're playing against Australia, you know there's a bit there's a bit more on it. There's a few more faces watching, and it's important for us to try and sort of forget that. And we we all appreciate the Ashes, and we know exactly how much it means to to Eng- England cricketers and Australian cricketers and the fans. So, but that that doesn't. We're going to try and sort of play in the same manner, prepare in the same manner, and then hopefully by the end of it, we can really, really sort of be happy with where we're at and hopefully yeah, win, win the Ashes, of course. Mm. It was a tough time last time down under in your first Ashes series. What do you think you've learned from that as a player moving forward to this this series? Yeah, I think I've become a better player. That was a good sort of turning point for me, I think, in my career as a sort of shot me back down to earth a little bit. I sort of, I, it was a tough series. I, obviously a very good side out there, but I feel like I didn't give my best account of myself. I tried to sort of tinker with my technique too much during the series and and uh, and probably let the sort of occasion of an Ashes get to me a bit too much, was too focused on other things, not just the small, simple things. So I think that's probably my big learning points. And yeah, I feel, like I said, I feel like I'm a better cricketer than I used to be uh, and ready for, hopefully ready to deal deal with this challenge. 
Is it more so off the field as well, the expectation? Because when you first came into the side, there was a lot of people saying you're going to play 100 tests for England batting free. I can't imagine that must have been quite hard to deal with that expectation. Yeah, it's probably just that extra little bit of pressure for me. Uh, it wasn't a pressure because I agreed and I felt like I could do that. But I was like, why am I not scoring my runs? And probably just, yeah, I think it takes a while to learn test cricket, I think, for some, so sometimes. And there's not, there's not many young cricketers who come in at the age of 20, 21, 22 and just crack it straight away. You go, you're going to go through ups and downs in your career. And I'm, I'm playing good at the moment, playing some nice cricket over the last year, and hopefully I can continue that. And there's going to come a time where I'm like, oh, man, just need to find that form again. So I think it's just important to just try and stay level as you can and just try and cash in when you're really playing well. Just a couple more. What does the Ashes mean to you? I imagine your first series might have been 05 or 09. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the it's the pinnacle for me. I think Test cricket is the pinnacle. Uh, and in Ashes cricket, there's obviously just that bit extra. And it's so special being able to put on an England shirt, turning up to Lords on a, on a sunny day, any of these grounds and seeing people roll in. And it's just such an honour to play for England, especially in this format of the game. Um, so I think firstly, that's, an, that's obviously very special in itself. And then, yeah, that extra extra bit of, of, oh, this is an Ashes series, just gives you that extra bit of buzz about it. So now there's obviously so much history behind it and just so much excitement around the group going forward. And just finally, there's a lot of talk about Ben's knee. If, if the worst were to happen, how excited would you be by the challenge of captaining in an Ashes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fingers crossed, Stokes no, is all yeah, good, his knee's all good and he stays in the park. But if, if, if required, then I feel confident and ready enough to sort of get, be prepared to, to do a good job for, for him and, and, the, and the team. I've watched him closely over the last sort of year or so and, and look at how he sets fields and all this kind of thing. So I think, yeah, hopefully if, if it does get to it, then yeah, no, I'll, be, I'll be ready. It'll be a big honour. Um, but yeah, like I said, fingers crossed he's all good. There's Ollie Pope there on the road to the Ashes. And uh, Hami, he, he's obviously grown up as a, as, a, as a test cricketer. The one thing that stood out to me and what he said there is so often we, we start thinking about all these technical things when we're playing against really tough opposition. The key to it all is... Is keeping it simple. That's what he's done. He's gone back to keep getting it back to it simple. He's gone back, sort of not leg side technique, but he's gone back onto sort of middle stump. Where in Australia he was batting on off stump. He's like he's like a cat in a hot tin roof. He just looked all at sea. I thought he had roller skates on when he was batting in you know, the the back end of the summer and then into the, the the ashes the last time. So, but that comes with learning. He's just a young. He's still a young man. He still looks as though he's. I think, he's, I think he's just started shaving. So he's he's, he's, he's still a, a relatively young man. And when he says he's relaxed, I, can't, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop smiling. I'd be raxed if something happened to Ben and I, I had to England captain. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'd like to look, see the look on his face when he does have to, <clears throat> the responsibility of captain in an Ashes series. But I, I love Holly Pope. I think he's got the right temperament, the right character. He's a little cheeky chappy. And I think he's... He's learnt from adversity, which is not a bad thing to have in your armory that you have had a bit of a bad time, but you can put it to one side and learn from it and come out a better player for it. Um, And he's going to be massive for England in this series because when you look at, for me, where the batting conundrums could go bouncing either side, Smith Labashian, three and four, Pope Root, three and four for England, that could be huge, especially if, both top orders who are you know, relatively under pressure if they don't fire. A couple of things before we uh, we, we take a break. Uh, any 
Well, Ollie Pope mentioned you know, Ben Stokes and, and um, his ability to get right through the series. Do you have any issues there? Are you, you happy the way he'll take the field at, at Edgbaston um, for the first ball of the Ashes in less than 24 hours? Yeah, I think he'd be... He's not going to be fine because he's got a he's got a bad knee. I don't think he's in a worse position as he was this time last summer when he got through that. I've always made the joke that Ben Stokes has got you know before the last summer he had about a thousand overs left in his Test career, and it was like you've got to use them wisely, Ben. And I think he's now down to about seven hundred and fifty. And I think that's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to use the overs he bowls wisely so he can, you're not going to see him bowl every day, but I think you'll see him bowl whenever he needs to bowl where his team requires. Um, and he's going to be, have to be smart. I've got no doubt Ben Stokes will still be playing cricket for England at the Oval come the end, whichever way it goes, whether the win or the lose. Um, and I think, you know, when it comes to the character of Ben Stokes, knowing him as I do, um, he will fight everything. He will go on the field one-legged if need be to make sure he's still captain in the England cricket team. I think England have set themselves for a bowling f- with four and a half bowlers with as, as opposed to Australia bowling with five very, very good bowling options, whichever way they go. From the bowling lineup to the batting lineup, do you, do you see England under Brendan McCallum sacrificing any way or playing any differently to what they have in the in the last 12 months, do you think it doesn't matter what attack they go out and play the way they've become accustomed over the period that he's been the coach? I can see England going out and playing exactly the same way. The pressure that comes with the Ashes, let's see how that rests on the shoulders of Duckett when he goes out first, Pope coming in at three, Brooke coming in at five. You've got your, you've got your bankers in, in Root and Stokes, Bairstow, but if England can come out and knock Australia off their length, like they did with Kagisa Rabada and Unric Nokia at 90 plus mile an hour, like they did with Mohammed Shami for India, again, one of the top quality bowlers, Pakistan and then Saudi in in uh, in Wagner in, in New Zealand. If England can knock Australia off their length and have them scratching their heads come tea time on day one if they bat first, then all of a sudden I think there'll be a, a, a wow moment in the series that we've got one hell of a contest on. Uh, it certainly will be one hell of a contest. This is Road to the Asses for Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. Up next, our final segment uh, as we lead into the 23 Ashes. Our predictions coming up next. <laughs> Who do we think can win the Ashes of 23? Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo logo and buy authentic Australian products. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison. Welcome back to Road to the Ashes for Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroos. Simon O'Donnell, Steve Harmison with you. Harmy, prediction time on the eve of the first test match. Uh, Who wins and why? I'm going to go England 3-2. I think it's going to be a close series. I said at the top of the show, I could make argument that both sides could win 5-0 because if England continue to play this basketball way of hitting bowlers off their length, scoring round the ground 360, if they can do that in the first test match, then all this, wow, we've not done it against our bowling attack. Australia, for me, is the be- have the best bowling attack in world cricket at the minute. And if all of a sudden England are... 350 for 
three, three hundred fifty for four at lunchtime on day uh, tea time on day one, having just really gone hard at it, you scratch your head and go, well, if this is the best Australia have got to offer, wow, where do they go from here? And then you flip that over and it could happen, a bit like the Steve Smith, kind of do it against our bowling attack. If the common stock in Poland blow England's top order away and England are, you know, 50 for five at lunchtime on day one, the consequences of that for me from an England's confidence point of view Will be will be dented. England will still come hard at it, but if all of a sudden the series starts going on and the Australian bowling attack can do what they can do, then you go and wow, where do do England change their mindset? Do they change their plans? Do they change a hell of a lot of things? Like we always see many times before during the nineties and the, the early two thousands with England against the likes of Warren and McGrath. Then you can see Australia winning fight, you know, the majority of the test matches. But I, I think with the pressure that's on, two sides evenly matched, I think it's going to be a great contest. And I'm going to back my boys 3 2. Well, I'm not favouring either side. I'm going with uh, a two all level end of the series. I'm going, with a, I'm going with a washout at Headingley and two all. That's where we're going to end up. Yeah. I, 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 can see, I can see four day test matches, mm. five four day test matches. I really can. So if the weather stays, which the forecast quite good for the long term, I can't see games going into day five. I really can't. And if they do and the sun's out, then I think then that brings Australia into play because I think the point of difference in this this series, possibly the fifth bowler in Cameron Green, but if the dry if it's dry and it and it and it stays and it goes to the to the latter part, then Australia have got a world class spinner. And that could be the point of difference if the game goes in a long period of time. Because no matter how what England plans have been against spin in the past, Nathan Lyon is a world-class spinner and he still performs at the highest level under immense pressure. So that, if it goes in a day of five, then I think Australia are now more in the contest. Most runs? I'm going to go Joe Root is the most runs. Of course runs. you are. The obvious. Needs, obvious. Obvious, yes. But I think England needs... Their, I think England need their talisman batter to score more runs than Labuschagne and Smith because I think if Labuschagne and Smith score at a high at a high rate, then I'm not sure we've got two that can can do that. So that means our best is going to have to outscore them too, and I think that would be Joe Root. So for me, for England to win, Joe Root's going to have to have big player of the series. I think Travis Head's going to have a blinder particularly coming off his, his 100 to give him that confidence um, with what he did at the Oval against India in the World Test Championship. So from a most runs point of view, I'm going to go with uh, my man, Travis Head. Most wickets, Harmy? Pat Cummins for the most wickets. I think he's probably one of the only bowlers that's going to play all five, other than Nathan Lyon. And I think, for me, he's still he's the best bowler in world cricket from a seam bowler's point of view. But I'm intrigued to see how he goes body off the back of the World Test Championship and then these five. And mentally, if England do get on top, if England get on top, not only has Pat Cummins got a bowl 22, 23 overs in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an innings, he's got to marshal what potential carnage England could throw at Australia, which could be four, five, six and over during a, a, a small passage or a large passage of play, that mentally could just 
have an effect on the Australia captain. But if he gets it right, for me, he's the best bowler in this series. And he's going to one that's going to play all five. So I'll go Pat Cummins. I'm, I'm tipping a draw here as well. Most wickets at the end of the series. Mitchell Stark and Ollie Robinson, I think they'll both um, have somewhere probably about 31 to 32 wickets each. That's what I'm predicting. Yeah. So there you go, Stark and Robinson as my leading bowlers of the Ashes series of 23. The player of the series, the all-important player of the series, the person that could be decisive here in his side winning or losing. Who's that for you, Hummy? Um, the former England captain who had an absolute rough ride, you know, the last Ashes series. I think you'll want to put everything like that right and I think he will be the man of the player of the series, and that would be Joe Root. And I think England, if they want to win, they're going to have to have somebody to hold them all together. And for me, Joe Root, since Ben Stokes has took over the captaincy, he's had a little bit of a new lease of life. He's got that twinkle back in his eye, that cheeky, chappy smile again. <laughs> so for me, for England to win 3-2, my man Joe Root's going to have to be player of the series. I'm going with Alex Carey. The mm. reason I'm going with that, because I think Stark will get a lot of the guys caught behind the wicket. Yeah. As Bucky Rogers has said to us tonight, trying to play a little bit late, they're pushing forward a bit, bang. I think that brings him in from a fielding perspective and, and taking a lot of catches. And as long as he locks that reverse sweep away, I think he's been batting brilliantly well over the last six months. And I think it, it, he'll know what to do here in the UK. He knows what his test match protocol is to take out into the middle and I think he's going to make a lot of really valuable runs so there you go I think uh, Alex Kerry is going to be the one and I'd be very surprised if we got any of those right Harmy but it's been a hell of a good time the last five or six weeks chatting to you on the road to the Ashes I wish you well I wish uh, your team well um, because it's been uh, a hell of a lot of fun it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed working. I hope everybody in Australia has enjoyed listening to me as much as they enjoyed watching me bowl in Australia because <laughs> it was an absolute shower. So on that, I just wish everybody a great Ashes series, whether it's the middle of the night or you get up to watch the highlights, the one thing that will be totally evident is that this is going to be two colossal sides going head-to-head like we've done over the last few weeks, Simon and make the best team win. Yep, certainly is. I agree with those sentiments completely. May the best team win. Thanks, of course, to Australian Made for their support. To Scotty Taylor, Jonathan Norman over there from TalkSport, to Julian Marcus and Mitch Scott here at SEN. The Ashes, of course, they start start Friday. You'll hear every ball on SEN and the SEN app. This has been Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian Made. Enjoy the series. We'll catch you next time. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.